Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Starship Sofa. Part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Tales to Terrify and the all-new Far-Fetched Fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome. Hello and welcome to show 461. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. 461. Mark that in your little diaries. That was the day. Big announcement on the day show. Yes, we certainly have an announcement today, but I'll tell you what's coming in today's show. We have one story, and it is, man, it is a fantastic story. The Green by Lauren Bucas, which originally published in Armour, edited by the fantastic Mr. John Joseph Adams. That's coming in a little later. But first, I'm going to do a little announcement, and I might waffle on for a little bit. So if you want to skip, well, I hope you don't skip, because this is probably one of the biggest announcements Starships over the District of Wonders has ever made. So the announcement is that come January 2017, the whole District of Wonders will start paying writers. Yes, how about that? $50 a story. Every story we play on the District of Wonders, that's right across the board. Starships over, Tales to Terrify and Farfetch Fables will pay $50 for each story. We have we've got to work out the kind of ins and outs because each different show, we we all kind of run a little things a little bit different. Starship Sova will definitely start on January. I'm not too sure at this moment if Tales is going to kick in then or far fetch. We've got backlogs and everything like that, but I've been with that whip with Jeremy. So I mean, if you're subscribed to Patreon, you would have seen. And the email address I've been for the last week or so, hounding everybody there to kind of come on, g- deep, dig deep in your in your in your pockets and cough up. 
And we've got Patreon. And that was my little kind of, you know, in my mind when I kind of set up Patreon. If I reach there, if I reach there, if I reach there. It wasn't one of the, the kind of the main goal on Patreon, but I thought if, you know, if we hit the 1,000 mark, then, you know, Starship Silver has been going 10 years and it would just be so nice to kind of start, you know, doing the right thing and being able, being in a, a position, really, that's the mo- more important thing, being in a position to kind of do this. And with the adverts as well, you know, we kind of, we're now on Acast. Things are, you know... Hopefully in a in a stable position. Do you know what I mean? It's always kind of up and down, up and down. And I mean, I'm I'm not kind of relying on the adverts. That's the main thing. We only got for the I don't know how long they've been going now. Two or three months there. There's odd adverts coming on here and there. We only got paid like the, the, the September's. You know, it falls into the bank in October. That's the first time. I've been paid for adverts running on the show and I got a total of £374, Great British Pound, for the for the adverts across the whole network. Now, I'm, it's really just up to ACAS, you know, when they, kind of, when they can sell an advert, when they can kind of pay, not when they can pay, but when, you know, the ads are available for the shows to run. So I'm not sure if next week, They'll, no, next month there'll be you know a kind of ad revenue coming in there. What it does mean is though, when we're with Acast, we haven't got other costs you know associated with like hosting kind of files, media files. You know, we don't host them on our website. We host them with a different company, and it used to be Libsyn. And listen, don't get us wrong, Libsyn was a fantastic. I was with them for ten years. Never, never put a foot wrong. You know, Lipson just, you know, a, a rock solid service. But in the end, you know, it was, it all starts to add up and it was getting, you know, close to sometimes nearly a hundred dollars, hundred pound, a hundred dollars. Yes, hundred dollars for Lipson. It's all different people I use, use different currencies. And it was getting close to that, that price. And then, especially with kind of Brexit as well, do you know what I mean? When I'm kind of paying in UK and it's, US, you know, things have all things have all been thrown into the air. So a few months ago, I had to kind of make that decision to kind of get off Libsyn, you know, go to Acast, and and it's been great. I can't, you know, fault them. So if we don't get any more ad revenue, you know, we still have to play the ads, but we still get that kind of service for free. Let's hope I do get the ads because that's a nice cushion. But getting back to Perion, we've got that, you know, that kind of goal there now, and it's kind of reached that level. Where, you know, if I'm if I'm careful and kind of sort everything out, we can kind of pay it right as fifty dollars a story. Do you know what I mean? So it basically means you know two hundred dollars each for each show for each month. But then this, you know, I didn't realize this. This is the businessman I am. There is certain months where it's a five week month. <laughs> yes. So well, come and help this lad, man. So that is the announcement, and. Like I said, when we finalised all the kind of little, in, you know, little kind of details, I know we kind of we won't be taking stories that are like a certain word. You know, we, we're going to go over the kind of the, the word count. We'll not play for flash, flash fiction. That'll that'll still, you know, if anyone wants that, you know, we're not. Yeah, we will play some, some now and again, but we'll only pay for kind of stories which are basically over say the two thousand mark. Like I say, we're working all that out there now, but we're going to Starship's over is going to launch. In in January, you know, the, the first kind of week in January, we're going to start paying the writers there now. And 
I'm, I'm hearing back from Chelsea Terrify. They've had a, a little general meeting, and I've just once I hit that kind of barrier on the kind of one thousand dollars, you know, I knew I would try and bring in Farfetch Fables. You know, that was the case. I was going to leave that a little bit later. You know what I mean? Maybe middle of the year, maybe even 2018. But once we hit that, you know, level, and we've just hit it this morning, you know, I've woke up this morning there and I kind of looked at me Patreon page and there it is, the big one zero zero zero, And I thought, well, that's it. That's me, you know, you know, it's kind of hit me goal. So I'm bringing in Farfetch Fables as well. Now I've, I've mentioned to Gary over there and, you know, it is a bit of a kind of, oh, here we go then. So we've got to get everything, you know, we've they've still got stories in place and we've still got to work out little details because sometimes, you know, I'm saying we pay for every story. You run three stories on, on your show in one day, you know, in kind of one episode, you know, it's kind of blowing the budget. So things have got to be worked out and, and you know, sorted out. And what I want is, and what we do anyways, you know, is get stories and pay for stories, you know, from around the world. That's the the beauty of Starship so far, you know, all this kind of diverse, you know, culture that's out there. You put it in there, you know, especially for, say, Starship so far, for me personally, put it into the stories and make the science fiction stories brilliant. And we can actually pay, oh man, 10 years, man, 10 in years, I've waited to do this. Do you know what I mean? I remember asking when I first started, you know, when the kind of first podcasting came out, you know, and even I think I've been doing it longer than that when me and Kieran started, you know, and we first got a story by <gasps> Stephen Donaldson and we and we ran that story. Kieran narrated it. And from then on, you know what I mean, the kind of asking writers for stories. And like 10 years doing it, but... We now in a position, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying we're in a kind of healthy position, do you know what I mean? We're kind of we're on that little limit there where you know. So to be able to do this has been a dream come true for me, do you know what I mean? And especially yeah, I run Starships over, but to take it across the board and do it for the three shows, I'm chuffed a bit. You know, I'm absolutely chuffed a bit, to be quite honest. One of the happiest days in my kind of little podcasting world there. Do you know what I mean? We've We've had some ups and downs, you know, but I've always wanted to kind of just keep putting the shows out. And it's been sometimes, you know, the, a couple of years ago, I think it was, when we just hit rock bottom and I was kind of taking the funds out of the house funds. And, you know, I mean, we had massive arguments at home and I was kind of told, this isn't going to happen to any, you know what I mean? You, you've got to sort something out. And, you know, God bless me wife, still stood by us, but laid some ground rules down and I had to kind of you know, really face reality, you know what I mean, and adjust things. And I've got to thank you all, do you know what I mean, who kind of were there and kind of pulled me out of this kind of very dark, and it was, you know, even mentally for me, it was a dark place, you know what I mean, the kind of, my whole little, it was crashing and burning, and donations came in and were kept, you know, massive thank you to all of you that did that. This is me little world, you know, Starship Sova, Tales to Terrify. We've all got them, do you know what I mean? We've all got our cruxes. This is my crux, and this is what I love. And now, doing this, taking this up another level, you know, to pay the writers, do you know? And hopefully, it will only get better, do you know what I mean? Pay 
the narrators pay me stuff do you know what I mean just man god I could cry yeah you know what I mean it just if I could do that that would be fantastic so yeah we get some ad revenue whether it's going to happen all the time I honestly I haven't got a clue do you know what I mean we've get we get a thousand pounds a thousand sorry dollars at this moment from Patreon we got the 374 I think it was from the oh what was it from the sorry <laughs> that's why I'm so excited from the Acast. And we have a round about two two hundred something like that from old school donations over there. Do you know what I mean? So it's still if if you do that the old school donations, it still goes in the same pots. I've had um, a number of people on saying, "Shall I shall I move it over to that? You know, will it help you?" And it all comes down to the kind of same thing. So it's really just it was a great someone Nick got in touch last night and says it's just really like robbing Peter to pay Paul. It doesn't matter which way it kind of comes in. So that's our kind of financial standing at the minute. We're roughly roundabout, and pay, you know, period ups and downs. People leave, and it's just the nature of the game. You know, we've got round about a thousand for that. The seven hundred, seven hundred, the three seven five was the, like I say, the what you call it, the the air cast, and then we've got a little bit more. So. If it stays around there, you know, we're, we're kind of we'll be able to look after ourselves. What I want, yes, you know what I mean. The best, honestly, I'm not joking this as well. The best thing for Starship Silver, if you donate a Patreon, just a little, two ninety nine. Do you know what I mean? Two ninety nine. Do that, because if loads do that, yes, honestly, I know it sounds weird. Two ninety nine. You don't think about kind of cancelling. No, no one really cancels a two ninety nine subscription. What I've, you know, my experience on Patreon. It like it's, I know I'm not being, you know. Kind of, but it's like almost chump change, you know what I mean? You're, you know, I waste that. Do you know what I mean? Just trying to get change to go through a toll road. Do you know what I mean? It's just like silly. So if you can kind of help out and come over to honestly, come over to Patreon, two ninety nine. That's that's it, man. If loads did that, we are in such a great position. Should we play a story? A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Thank <laughs> you.
So like I said, today's main fiction is The Green by Lauren Bukers. Originally published in Armoured by the one, the only, Mr. John Joseph Adams. Now this story will also appear in Lauren's up-and-coming short fiction and essay collection, Slippin', published in late November. So it is out very, very soon, if not now. Lauren Bukers is an award-winning, internationally best-selling novelist who writes comics, screenplays, TV shows and journalism. Her novels include The Shining Girls, Broken Monsters and Zoo City and have been translated into 23 languages and have been developed for film and TV. She won the Arthur C. Clarke Award, I remember that, I remember that very well. The University of Johannesburg Prize, the August Derleth Award for Best Horror, the Strand Critics' Choice for Best Mystery Novel, the RT Thriller of the Year and the Makubu Award. I'm not too sure if I hit that one right. Her work has been praised by Stephen King, George R. Martin, James Elroy, Gillian Flynn, as well as the New York Times, The Guardian and NPR. She also has written comics including The Survivors Club, an original horror series with Dale Halverson and Ryan Kelly, the New York Times best-selling fable spin-off, Fairiest, The Hidden Kingdom, with Anika Marinda, and Wonder Woman in Soweto, One Shot for Kids, The Trouble with Cats, with art by Mike Malik. And when she's not on tour or travelling for research from Detroit to Zagreb, Musket to Port-au-Prince, she lives in Cape Town, South Africa, with her eight-year-old daughter. I remember when Lauren won the Arthur C. Clarke Award. The special thing about Lauren, I think, is, is a, I'm going to say as a science fiction writer, but she's not. That's the special thing. She can win awards across the genre. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, 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 you get comfortable in your niche and you, you, you put out the novels and you, and you get all the, you know, the great stories out there. But to do that across, like, you know, I mentioned in the, in the, the bio there, to hit the, you know, to kind of hit the thriller, hit the crimey things, to hit the horror and to win awards, then they get the praise from George R. Martin, James Elroy, you know I mean? totally different writers in their own field. A very special writer. Get Slippin', which comes out, like say, this late November, by tacking on publications, which is just another fine little institution there. They, they've been going years as well. So it'd be fantastic. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm really proud to have Lauren on the show. You know what I mean? One of the kind of the writers, I'm going to say of the moment, but it's not because... You know, it doesn't just happen. Lauren's been kind of just hammering away and taking, you know, the world really by storm, hitting every genre. Fantastic. This story is narrated by Heather Simmons. Heather Simmons grew up in South Africa and has made her home in the United States. She earned her PhD in biology at Penn State and her research is focused on the evolution of plant pathogens. Heather is an active participant in the community theatre with radio experience and can be reached for narration requests at H. Simmons. And I, there's a proper link, but I can't, I can't pronounce the actual .com, whatever it is, .eu. So pop over to Heather Simmons. We've got a link on there if you want, you want to use Heather as well for your narrations. Heather, thank you so much. So on this very, very, very special show, Starship Sova is very proud to present... The Green by Lauren Bukes The Pinocchios are starting to rot. Really, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. They're just doing what corpses do best, even artificially preserved and florally emanated ones. 
even the ones you know. They shuffle around the corridors of our home lab in their hermetically sealed hazmat suits, using whatever's left of their fine motor functioning. Mainly, they just get in the way. We've learned to walk around them when they get stuck. You can get used to anything. But I avoid looking at their faces behind the glass. I don't want to recognize Rousseau. They're supposed to be confined to one of the specimen storage units, but a month ago, a Pinocchio pulled down a cabinet of freeze-dried specimens. So now Inatech management lets them wander around. They seem happier free-range. If you can say that about a corpse jerked around by an alien slime mold like a zombie puppet. They've become part of the scenery, less than ghosts. They're as banal a part of life on this dog-forsaken planet as the nutritionally fortified lab-grown oats they serve up in the cafeteria three times a day. We're supposed to keep out of their way. No harvester should touch, obstruct, or otherwise interfere with the OPPs, the notice from Inertech Management read, finished off with a smiley face and posted on the bulletin board in the cafeteria. On paper, because we're not allowed personal communications technology in home lab. Too much of a security risk. Organically preserved personnel. It's an experimental technique to use the indigenous flora to maintain soldiers' bodies in wartime to get them back to their loved ones intact. The irony is that we're so busy doing experiments on the corpses of our deceased crew that we don't send them back at all. And if we did, it would have to be in a flask. Because after they rot, average lifespan is 29 days, they liquefy. And the slime mold has to be reintegrated into the colony they've been growing in Lab 3. It's not really slime mold, of course. Nothing on this damn planet is anything you'd recognize. Which is exactly why Inatech has us working the jungle in armored suits along with 4,000 other corporates planet-side all scrambling to find new alien flora with commercial applications so they can patent the shit out of all of it. Slime mold is the closest equivalent the lab techs have come up with. Self-organizing cellular amoebites that ooze around on their own until one of them finds a very recently dead thing to grow on. Then it lays down signals, chemical or hormonal or some other system we don't understand yet, and all the other amoebites congeal together to form a colony that sets down deep roots like a wart in whatever's left of the nervous system of the animal, and then take it over. We've had several military contractors express major interest in seeing the results. Inatech has promised us all big bonuses if we manage to land a military deal. And not just the lab techs, either. After all, it's us lowly harvesters to go out there in our GMP suits to find the stuff. Inatech's got mining rights to six territories in four quadrants on this world. Two subtropical, one arid mountainous, and three tropical, which is where the big bucks are. Officially, we're working RCZ8 tropical, 14, 27 degrees, 32 minutes south, 49 degrees, 38 minutes west. We call it the green. We were green ourselves when we arrived on planet. The worst kind of naive. Know-nothing city hicks. It was all anyone could talk about as we crammed around the windows. How fucking amazing it looked as the dropshift descended over our quadrant. We weren't used to nature. We didn't know how hungry it was. The sky was rippled in oranges and gold from the pollen in the air. 
turning the spike-slate pinnacles of the mountains a powder pink. The jungle was a million shades of green, greens like you couldn't imagine, greens to make you mad or kill you dead. Homelad squats in the middle of all that green like a fat concrete spider with too many legs radiating outwards, uglier even than the Caxton Project apartment blocks back home. Most of us are from what you'd call underprivileged backgrounds. The Caxton stats when I left were 89% adult unemployment, 73% adult illiteracy, 65% chance of dying before the age of 40 due to a communicable disease or an act of violence. Who wouldn't want a ticket out of there, even if it was one way? Besides, our work is a privilege. We're getting to work at the forefront of Xenoflora Biotech. At least that's what it says on the Welcome to Inertech pack. All employees are handed when they've dotted the I's and crossed the T's on the contract. Or maybe just made an X where you're supposed to sign. You don't need to be literate to pick flowers, even in a GMP. Of course, by forefront, they mean front lines, and by harvesting, they mean strip mining. Except everything we strip away grows back, faster than we can keep up. Whole new species we've never seen before spring up overnight. Whole new ways to die. You've got to suffer for progress, baby, Rousseau would have said, if he were still alive. And boy, do we suffer out there. The first thing they do when you land is strip you, shave you, put you through the ultraviolet sterilizer, and then surgically remove your finger and toenails. It's a biologically sensitive operation. You can't be bringing in contaminants from other worlds. And there was that microscopic snail parasite incident that killed off two full crews before the lab techs figured it out. That's why we don't have those ultra-sensitive contact pads on our gloves anymore even though it makes harvesting harder. Because the snail would burrow right through them and get under the cuticle, working its way through your body to lay its eggs in your lungs. When the larvae hatch, they eat their way out, which doesn't kill you. It just gives you a nasty case of terminal snail-induced emphysema. It took the infected weeks to die, hacking up bloody chunks of their lungs writhing with larvae. Diamond miners used to stick gems up their asses to get them past security. With flora, you can get enough genetic material to sell to a rival with a fingernail scraping. Do we have any proof there ever was a snail infestation, Roe would ask over breakfast, apart from the company newsletter? He'd add before practical, feisty, educated Lurie could get a word in and contradict him. He was big into his conspiracy theories, and our med tech... Shapshack only encouraged him. They'd huddled deep into the night, getting all serious over gin made from nutri-oats that Hoffman used to distill in secret in his room. It seemed to make Shapshack more gloomy than ever, but Roe bounced back from it, invigorated and extra jokey. Roe was the only one who could get away with calling me Coco, and only because we were sleeping together. Dumb fuck name I know, Coco Yenko. Mom wanted me to be a model, or a ballerina, or a movie star. All those careers that can get you out of the ghetto sprawl. Shouldn't have had an ugly kid then, Ma. Shouldn't have been poor. Shouldn't have let the Inertech recruiter into our apartment. And hey, while we're at it, Rose shouldn't have died. Fucking green. Green is the wrong word for it. You'd only make that mistake from the outside. When you're in the thick of it, it's black. 
The tangle of the canopy blocks out the sunlight. It's the murky gloom after twilight, before real dark sets in. Visibility is five meters, fifteen with headlights, although the light attracts moths which get into the vents. Pollen spores swirl around you big as your head. Sulfur candy floss. And everything is moist and sticky and fecund, like the whole jungle is rutting around us. The humidity smacks you, even through the suit, thick as plus eight gravity, so that you're slick as a greased rat pig with sweat the moment you step out. It pools in your jockstrap, chafes when you walk until it forms blisters big as testicles. A new experience for the girls on the crew. Although walking's not what we do, more like wading against a sucking tide of heat and flora. The rotting mulch suffocates our big clanking mechanical footsteps. Some of the harvesters play music on their private channels. Roe used to play opera, loud, letting it spill into the green until it started attracting insects the size of my head. I put a stop to it after that. I prefer to listen to the servo motors grinding in protest. I have this fantasy that I'll be able to hear it when my suit gets compromised, the sh of air that lets through a flood of spores like fibrous threads that burrow into metal and flesh. The faint suck of algae congealing on the plastic surfaces, seeping into the seams of the electronics, corroding the boards so the nano-connections can't fire. The hum of plankton slipping between the joints of my GMP, between the spine and pelvic plates to bite and sting. The base model GMPs aren't built for these conditions. The heat is a problem. The servo motors get clogged. The armor corrodes. The nanotronics can't sustain. Every joint is a weak point. The damn flora develops immunity to every vegicide we try. Assuming they're actually using vegicides, Roe would point out. Why risk the harvest when harvesters are replaceable? Management has determined that the optimum number for a harvesting team is five. I am the team leader. Look, Ma, leadership material. Our med tech is Shapshak, who sometimes slips me amphetamines, which he gets under the counter from the lab techs along with other pharmaceuticals he doesn't share. It's not like management don't know. They're happy if we're productive, and sometimes you need a little extra something to get you through out there. Luria's our ambot, a high school education and eight weeks of training in amateur botany specimen collection puts her a full pay scale above the rest of us plebs. Plus she gets the most sophisticated suit, a TCD with neurofeedback tentacle fingers built into the hands for delicate snagging samples that aren't susceptible to snail invasion. Rousseau and Waverley were our clearers. Manual labor, their GMP suitably equipped with bayonet prog saws that'll cut through rock, thermo machetes for underbrush, and extra armor plating for bludgeoning your way through the jungle with brute force when everything else failed. In retrospect, we could have done with less brute force. Could have done with me spotting the damn sting strings before we blundered into the middle of a migration. Could have done with being less wired on the under-the-counter stuff. One minute Waverly and Roe are plying through dense foliage ahead, and next there are a thousand mucousy tendrils unfurling from the canopy above us. This wouldn't have been a problem usually. Sure, the venom might corrode your paintwork, leave some ugly pot marks that'll get the maintenance guys all worked up, but they're not hectic enough to compromise a GMP. 
Unless, say, someone panics and trips and topples forward, accidentally ripping a hole in Rousseau's suit with the razor edge of a machete, half severing his arm. Waverly swore blind it wasn't his fault. He tripped. But GMPs have balance pace adjusters built in. You have to be a pretty damn incompetent to fall over in one. If Roe wasn't a roaming, brain-dead corpse puppet right now, he might be suspicious. Might think it was a conspiracy to recruit more guinea pigs for the OPP program. We know better. We know Waverly's just a fucking moron. There was a lot of screaming, mainly from Roe, until Shapshack shot him up with morphine, but also Leary threatening to kill Waverly for being so damn stupid. It took us 90 minutes to get back to home lab, me and Shapshack dragging Roe on the portable stretcher from his field kit, which is only really useful for transporting people, not armored suits, but it was too dangerous to take him out. Waverly broke through the undergrowth ahead of us, the only place where we could trust him, leaving traces of rose blood painted across broken branches. When we got to home lab, Leary still had to file the specimens, and we all had to go through decontam, no matter how much I swore at security over the intercom. Just let us back in right fucking now! We had to sit in the cafeteria, the only communal space listening to Rousseau die, pretending not to. It should have been easy. The loud drone of the air conditioner and the filters and the sterilizer systems all fighting the green is the first thing you acclimatize to here. But Roe's voice somehow broke through, a shrill shriek between clenched teeth. We hadn't known anyone who'd ever died from the sting strings. The lab techs must have been thrilled. Shapshack spooned oats into his face, drifting away from it all on some drug he wasn't sharing. Lurie couldn't touch her food. She put on her old-school security-approved headphones, bopped her head fiercely to the music, made like she wasn't crying. I restrained myself from hitting Waverly, who kept whining. It wasn't my fault, okay? I took deep breaths against the urge to bash his big bald head on the steel table until his brains oozed out. If Roe was here and not lying, twisting around on a gurney while the meds prepped the killing dose of morphophedrine, he would have cracked the tension with a joke. About crappy last meals, maybe. The other crews were making bets on what would kill him marking up the odds on the back of a cigarette packet. Black humor and wisecracking is just how you deal. We'd have been doing the same if it wasn't one of ours. Yellow choke, three to one. Threadworms, twelve to seven. The Tars, fifteen to four. New and horrible, one to two. Roe's voice changed in pitch. From scream your throat roar to a low groaning, the kind that comes from your intestines plasticinating. The spores must have got into the rip in his gut through the tear in his armor. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh! Oh God! Oh! Please, fuck God! Oh! Across from us, Hoffman from F Crew leapt to his feet, whooping in delight and making gimme gestures. Tars! I fucking knew it! Oh yeah! Hand over the cash money, baby! Rose screaming tapered off, which meant either he was dead or just suborditory under the constant of laboring machinery. Waverly tried to say something encouraging. At least we know it's the fast kind of fatal. And I punched him in the face, knocking the porridge out of his mouth in a grey splatter tinged with blood, along with two teeth. 
I got a warning but no demerit. Under the circumstances, Human Resources said, they declined my request to have Waverley reassigned to another unit. It's for the best, they said, which was the same line my mum spun me when she took me to the sterilisation clinic in Caxton, mainly for the incentive kickback the government provided, but also to make sure I didn't end up like her, pregnant and homeless at 14, working double shifts at the seam factory, which is what she did after I was born to keep the pair of us alive. That only makes me feel more guilty, all the sacrifices she made so I could get out of Caxton, and here I am, letting my sometime lover die on my watch. Sorry, Ma, I think, but you don't know what it's like out here. Within 48 hours, Rose's replacement arrived, Joseph McCuckoo, another ghetto sprawl kid, sprayed, shaved, irradiated, denailed, and ready to go. We had three whole days to mourn while he ran through the sim conditioning, and then we were back out there in the thick of it, harvesting. I found a request for sting strings in my order log. The results of Rose Vemonburns were, according to the lab techs, fascinating. The note attached to the order read, Lash wounds were cauterized. Unclear whether this is common to sting strings or whether it was reacting with other flora or spores. Living specimens ideal, required for further study. To see specimens okay. We couldn't get them. That's what I reported anyway. Threatened to peel the skin off Makuku if he said different. The kid learned quick. Didn't cause any shit. And we made Waverly walk five meters up front where he'd only take out Flora if he tripped again. Shapshak offered me chemical assistance from his stash of pharmaceuticals. But by then I was already contemplating it, and I knew drugs would only get in the way. I didn't want to get better. I wanted out. It was the encounter with Rousseau that cemented it. I'd managed to avoid him for twelve whole days after he died. Every time I spotted a Pinocchio shuffling down the corridor, or standing spookily motionless facing a wall, I did a 180 in the other direction. Didn't make a big deal about it. Just managed to spend more time in the gym or doing routine maintenance on my GMP. Anything to keep busy. It's the thinking about it that kills me. I try to leave no space for thinking. I was doing leg presses when he found me. It was the automatic door that tipped me off. It kept opening and closing, opening and closing, like someone didn't have enough brains to get out of the way of the senses. I knew it was him even before I saw the limp, sagging sleeve where his left arm should have been. What do you want, I said, standing up and moving over to rest my hand casually on the ten-kilogram barbells. Ready to club him to death, re-death, whatever, not expecting an answer. Through the faceplate I could see a call of teeming, squirming green over his face. You could still make out his features, still tell it was Roe under there. I thought about his cells starting to break down under his new slime-mold skin, his organs collapsing, nerves firing sluggishly through sagging connections and dead tissue. He opened his mouth, his tongue flopping uselessly inside. He worked his jaw mechanically. Individual amoebites attracted by the motion started sliding into the cavity, triggering others, oozing past his lips, coating his teeth, his tongue with a seething, furry growth. Inside the suit, Roe tipped his head back, his mouth open in something like a scream, 
as more and more amoebites flooded in to colonize his mouth, soft furry spores spilling down his chin. Misfiring neurons, human resources had assured us when they first let the Pinocchios out. Nothing to worry about, they said. Neither, it turns out, is the GMP progsaw I put to my forehead, positioning it right against my temple for maximum damage before I flick the on switch. I have a dream about my mom. I am scampering over the factory floor, back when she still had the job, dodging the electric looms to collect scraps of fabric that she will sew into dishcloths and dolls and maybe a dress, to sell to the neighbors illegally. We are not allowed to remove company property. They incinerate leftovers every evening, specifically to prevent this. Be careful, she whispers, her breath hot against my cheek. But I'm not careful enough. As I duck under the grinding, whirling loom, the teeth catch my ear and shear down my face. My skin tears all the way down to my belly button and unfurls, flopping about obscenely, like wings before the flaps stiffen and wrap around me like a cocoon. In the dream, it feels like I'm falling into myself. It feels safe. I wake up in a hospital bed, with my right arm cuffed to the rail. There is a woman sitting on the edge of the bed wearing a pinstripe skirt and matching blazer. She is blandly pretty with blonde streaked hair, wide blue eyes and big friendly teeth in a big friendly mouth, a mom in a vitamin-enriched living commercial. Not someone I've seen in home lab before too neatly groomed. I sit up and automatically reach up to touch my head, to the place where the prog saw had started ripping into my temple, only to find layers of bandage mummifying my skull. We do pay attention, Coco, the woman says, and then adds more softly, I'm very sorry about what happened to Milan. Who? I say. My cheek is burning. I try to rub the pain away and find a row of fibrous stitches running from my temple down to my jaw. Milan Rousseau, your co-worker? It's quaint how you call each other by surnames. This isn't the army, you know. You're not at war. Tell that to the green, I mutter. I'm angry to be alive. Yes. Well, we've installed new safety measures into the GMPs after the accident. Chemical agents that would clog up the blades of your weapon with fibrous threads if it came into contact with human pheromones. It's based on threadworms. One of the technologies you've helped to make possible, Coco, saved your life. Didn't want to be saved. My throat feels raw like it's been sandblasted from the inside. Pity about your face, she says, not feeling any pity at all. Never going to be a model now, I try to laugh. It comes out as a brittle bark. Unless it's for a specialist scar pawn, no, probably not. Do you want some water? It's the painkillers making you so thirsty. Even with our new safety measures, you've still managed to do quite a bit of ruin to yourself. No brain damage, though. Damn, I deadpan. But the water is cold and sweet down my throat. My name is Catherine. I'm from head office. They sent me here especially to see you, and do you know why? It's because you've made us reevaluate some things, Coco, how we do work around here. Every time she says my name, it feels like someone's punching me in the chest, a reminder of Roe. Please don't call me that, it's Yanko, please. As you prefer, her mouth twists impatiently. Miss Yanko, you'll be pleased to know, I think, that after your incident, 
Inatech has elected to relocate the OPPs. What do you call them? Zombie puppets. But I'm thinking living prison cells. She looks down to her hands folded in her lap, at her perfect manicure, and smiles a little tolerant smile. But what I'm thinking is that bitch still has her fingernails, which also means she has no intention of sticking around. Pinocchio is right. Is that what you call them? That's cute. But we've come to realize, well, you made us realize that having them in Homelad puts undue stress on our employees. I guess we were so busy focusing on this huge medical breakthrough. Profit, you mean. She ignores me. That we didn't think about how it was affecting you guys on a personal level. So I'm sorry. Inatech is sorry. We've moved the OPPs to another facility. We've already paid stress compensation into everyone's accounts and we're implementing mandatory counseling sessions. He was trying to talk. No, he's dead, Miss Yanko, she corrects herself. It must have been very upsetting, but he can't talk. The OPP symbiote sometimes hooks into the wrong nerves. We're still learning, still figuring each other out. How buddy-buddy of you. Didn't realize this was a partnership. We're a biosensitive operation. It's about finding a balance with nature, no matter how foreign it is. So what happens now? We'd like you to stay on, if you're willing. Under the circumstances, Inatech is willing to retrench you with two weeks' payout for every year you've worked, plus stress bonus, plus full pension, which is, I'm sure you'll appreciate, very generous considering your attempt to damage Inatech property and injure personnel which would normally be grounds for instant dismissal. Your non-disclosure still applies either way, of course. Wait, you're blaming me for Rose's death? By injuring personnel, we mean your attempted suicide. You're a valuable asset to the company, which is why I'd encourage you to hear my alternate proposition. Does it involve letting me fucking die like I wanted? As I said, you're a valuable asset. How long have you been here? Two years? Twenty months. That's a lot of experience. We've invested in you, Miss Yanko. We want to see you achieve your potential. I want you to walk away from this uh, challenge in your life. Stronger, more capable. You've got a second chance. Do you know how rare that is? It's a unique personal growth opportunity. Double pay. One and a half times. Plus my pension payout. You wire it to my mom in the meantime. You don't want to hear about the alternative? More of the same, isn't it? It's better. We're running a pilot program. New suits. We want you to head it up. We've learned from our mistakes. We're ready to move on. It's a new day around here. What do you say? She thinks I don't know. She thinks I'm an idiot. Home lab has been renovated in the time I've been out. A week and a half, according to Shapshak, who is strangely reproachful. He follows me around as if trying to make sure I don't try to off myself again. He can't look at my face, at the puckered scar that runs from my ear to the corner of my mouth, twisting my upper lip into a permanent sneer. He's more stone than ever, and so are most of the other crew. Whatever else Catherine's proposed new day involves, obviously restricting access to recreational pharmaceuticals isn't part of it. Or maybe it's the mandatory counseling sessions which involve a lot of antidepressants that Makuku says leaves him feeling blank and hollow. I wouldn't know. I feel that way already. 
The Pinocchios are, true to Catherine's word, gone, along with some of the staff. Lurie's been shipped out, along with Hoffman, Uleki, and Murad, all the A-level ambots, half the other team leaders, and 60% of the lab techs, leaving a shoddy bunch of misfits, unsuitable for anything except manual labor, or guinea-pegging. Labs 1 to 3 have been cleared to accommodate the new suits. Ornate husks floating in nutrient soup in big glass tanks, like soft-shelled crabs without the crab. The plating is striated with a thick, fibrous grain that resembles muscle. The info brochure posted on the bulletin board promises biological solutions for biological challenges. There's grumbling about what this means, but underneath all that is the buzz of excitement. The operations brochure talks about how the suit will harden on binding, how the shell will protect us from anything a hostile environment can throw at us, and process the air through the filtration system to be perfectly breathable without the risk and inconvenience of carrying compressed gas tanks around. We'll be lighter, more flexible, more efficient, and it's totally self-sufficient, provided we take up the new nutritionally fortified diet. No more fucking oats, Makuku rejoices. He's not Roe, but he's not an asshole, and that's about all we can ask around here. Lab 4 is still cranking. The reduced complements of lab techs are busier than ever, scurrying around like bugs. They wear hazmat suits these days. They've always been offish, always above us, but now they don't talk to us at all. Inertech management sends in a state-of-the-art camera swarm to record the new suit trials. For a morale video, Catherine explains. Exactly the kind of camera swarm they supposedly can't afford to send out into the green to scout ahead of us, to avoid some of the dangers. You won't have to worry about that anymore, she says. I believe her. Harvest operations are called off while they do the final preparations, leaving us with too much leisure time, too much time to think. Or maybe it's just me, but it allows me to make my decision not to blow it wide open, as if they wouldn't just hold us down and do it to us anyway. Because I'm thinking that a cell doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a prison. It could be more like a monk cell, a haven from the world, somewhere you can lock yourself away from everything and never have to think again. On Tuesday, we're summoned to Lab 3. You ready? Catherine says. Is my pension paid out? I snipe. There is nervous laughter. Why can't we use our old suits, Waverly whines? Why we gotta change a good thing? Shut up, Waverly, Shapshack snaps, but only half-heartedly. And then because everyone is jittery, even us uneducated slum hicks can have suspicions, I volunteer. I step forward and shrug out of my greys, letting them drop to the floor. Two of the lab techs haul a suit out of the tank and sort of hunker forward with it, folding it around me like origami. It is clammy and brittle at the same time. As they fold one piece over another, it binds together and darkens to an opaque green, the color of slime mold. The lab techs assist others into their suits, carefully wrapping everyone like a present, leaving only the hoods and a dangling connector like a scorpion tail. The tip has a pad of micro-needles that will fasten on to my nervous system. Nothing unusual here. 
The GMPs use the same technology to monitor vital signs. Nothing unusual at all. Don't worry, it won't hurt. It injects anesthetic at the same time, Catherine says. Like a mosquito. Not the ones on this planet, lady, Waverly snickers, looking around for approval as they start folding him into a suit. Back in Caxton, I tried converting to the new Adventist for a time. They promised me the pure white warmth of God's love that would transform me utterly. But I still felt the same after my baptism. Still dirty. Still broken. Still poor. Can we hurry this along, I ask, impatient. Of course, Catherine says. And maybe that's a glimmer of respect in her blue eyes. Or maybe it's just the reflection of the neon lighting. But I feel like we understand each other in these last moments. The lab tech slipped the hood over my face. She presses the bioconnector up against the hollow at the base of my skull and clicks the switch that makes the needles leap forward. Suddenly the armor clamps down on me like a muscle. I fight down a jolt of claustrophobia so strong it raises the taste of bile in my mouth. I have to catch myself from falling to my knees and retching. You okay, Yanko? Shapshak asks his voice suddenly sharp through the glaze of drugs he's on. He must really care, I think. But I'm beyond caring, beyond anything. I wondered what it would feel like, the soft furriness of the amoebites flooding through the bioconnector, the prickle as they flower through my skin. What's better than a dead zombie? A live one. And maybe God's touch is cool and green, not pure white at all. Yes, I say, and close my eyes against the light, against the sight of the others being parceled up in the suits, at Waverly starting to scream, tugging at the hood as he realizes what's going on, what's in there with him. I'm fine. And maybe for the first time, I actually am. <laughs> There you go, don't forget, copyright is Lawrence. Lauren, thank you so much. Please, please, please go out and shout at everyone, especially you, Lauren. Shout it on your post as well, that should be fantastic. And Heather, what can I say? A big thank you. Thank you so much, it really is appreciated. So that is today's show. The day we start paying writers has been announced. We will start in January 2017. Go out and tell everyone, you know what I mean? The more that kind of listen, the just the, it makes it, it'll make this show even greater and the three shows all together. Until next week, just like to say, good night from me. Will our heroes survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of Starship Sofa, of activation procedure initiated. Shuttle set for launch. Airlock will be opened in 3, 2, 1. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about The District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com Thank you for listening.